This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. It is Thursday, the 4th of April, 2019, the year being. VORW International is a weekly light entertainment podcast, which features a mixture of my miscellaneous discussion and commentary on a wide variety of issues. VORW International is heard via many online avenues, including but not limited to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, and many other platforms, also on the international shortwave frequencies of 7780 kHz, 5950 kHz, and 5850 kHz, audible in North America and Europe. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this program. So, a very happy April to each and every one of you tuning in and listening in. Welcome, one and all. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Obviously, I don't think there will be much of a need to, you know, whatever, mention it, uh, talk about it. Uh, But obviously, you can tell for those of you who are tuning in regularly, new microphone setup is continuing to be used. And, I mean, like anything... You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting used to it myself. And eventually it'll probably get to a point where I'm, you know, it's like it's second nature, right? It's it's one of those things that, okay, I'm used to it now. And before you know it, it'll just, it'll be like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, this is just the microphone that I use. It's not like it's anything crazy. But, uh, you know, I'm just kind of getting used to it, trying to adjust the uh, levels a bit, you know, increase the uh, gain so it'll kind of be a little louder, because I know some people mentioned that it's a little bit on the quiet side. And uh, one thing I did invest in, I uh, I bought as well, and I am using it in uh, this program, in this recording process, uh, which I did not use last week. I it, It's what they call the uh, pop filter, you know. And I was I was mentioning that most microphones, professional ones anyway, already have what they uh, call you know the like the wind screen. But obviously, when it comes down to enunciation, especially in regards to the pronunciation of the p, like in the word pop, sometimes it'll cause the audio to spike just the way you know you're enunciating, etc. And I think some of you really you know you know what this thing is where it's just like this little mesh type of thing that you kind of put in front of it, in front of the microphone, and it's supposed to just make things a little bit smoother. So I bought that, and uh, now I'm kind of using that in addition to the, uh, the new microphone setup. So all of you that contribute to this show, all of you that donate, uh, be that via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com, or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. It's you guys that allow for all of these adjustments and improvements for this show to be made, implemented, and executed. So for all of you guys, thank you so much for your support. This could not be done without you. Uh, now for, for, for reference, right? I'm recording this program in the evening, you know, circadian rhythm and 
all of that. You know the drill. It's after 2 a.m. this time around, kind of just after 2, and this is being done indoors. So if you're hearing any sort of wind or insect noise or military helicopters or regular helicopters or any anything really aside from maybe a few clocks that may perhaps be ticking uh that's on your end that's that's not here this is just being recorded inside this time around and anyway here we are uh, in today's program we have a good amount of listener suggested topics a good amount of suggestions some really interesting questions and comments and all of that good stuff came in over the last week if you are listening in right now and you have any comments uh, if you're listening in on the shortwave always appreciate reception reports you can always email me v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com and as always that address will be repeated many times throughout the broadcast okay now before anything else before we cover any other subjects I'll announce it just as a means of of public service, uh, because you know that shortwave radio is something that I talk about all the time. You know, I bring it up every single time, and I I do know that there is a percentage of you guys listening uh, that also tune into shortwave stations. You know, you might be like a hardcore listener, you might be an amateur radio operator, or you might be kind of a casual listener. You know, maybe you have a few shows you listen to, or a few international broadcasters you, you catch, and that's it. Uh, but either way, if there are any big changes to the medium, I always try to announce it and spread awareness and kind of just document it as it's happening. Obviously, shortwave is in decline, and uh, as I said, a number of programs back, uh, the one broadcaster, South Africa's international broadcaster, Channel Africa, is gone. I said about a month ago they were going to leave the airwaves, they made the announcement, and uh, they are gone. Uh, Channel Africa, the international shortwave service from South Africa, mainly just beamed to the African continent, is gone for good. If you enjoyed their programming, you better have a satellite dish, because that's the only way to listen at this point, uh, through satellite radio. So, uh, they're gone. And then the domestic network, Radio Sondergrenz, for the Northern Cape, is gone from shortwave as well. With that, the transmitting station in South Africa is closed for good. I imagine it'll probably be dismantled. And uh, unfortunately, another country has left the airwaves, never to return, most likely. And, you know, Channel Africa... It was one of those broadcasters, kind of in its final days, I, I tried to listen to it more. But I was always filled with regrets, you know, I was always saying, you know, damn, I I wish I listened to them more. Yeah. Always, always a good saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, you know, that saying exists for a reason. Don't always, you know, for many it doesn't apply for shortwave, for me. It applies to a lot of things, but I think it's just human nature, we just... When there's so much around us, so much, so much stimuli, so much immersion, you know, sometimes it's tough not to take things for granted, you know, and most of the time when I'm not taking things for granted, I'm focusing on, on my loved ones, my family, you know, not just a radio station, but 
you know, it's it's always sad when when there's one one thing that's uh, that's gone from the airwaves. I mean, I really feel bad for just the listeners in Africa, you know, who weren't really given much advance notice because shortwave radio is still popular over in Africa. Still, you know, very large audiences. Uh, where in some countries, shortwave is still listened to, kind of like how, you know, you might listen to AM or FM radio. Not everyone does, but, you know, a lot of people still do. That's kind of how shortwave is in, in certain parts of Africa. So, I mean, obviously the station had its audience, but they kind of just, they, they signed off without any notice or anything. They just kind of pulled the plug mid-sentence, I think, and that was it. It was done, gone. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, I guess from a financial standpoint, I can say I understand. Shortwave can be a really, uh, an odd thing. Sometimes the costs and the perceived listenership just don't add up. So, I mean, as a broadcaster myself, I can understand why certain, albeit very frustrating, decisions are made, because I've had to make those before myself. And, uh, secondly... This one didn't really get as much attention within the shortwave community because it was a much lower-powered station. Uh, but for anyone in Australia, uh, there was a shortwave station there that went off the air, uh, albeit for a very different reason. It was just a low-power station, just one kilowatt, you know, kind of serving just a few areas in Australia. And uh, they mostly just played music and, you know, had some syndicated news. But, uh, they were called Aussie Radio. They broadcast on 4835, uh, 4835 kilohertz to Australia. And, uh, they're gone because the station owner and operator, he, he died. He, uh, he just died, you know, unexpectedly last Thursday. And with that, the station is gone as well. You know, so that's disappointing. On one programming note... Uh, I am going to be discontinuing my broadcast on 6070 kilohertz to Europe. Uh, that's the music show, and that's just going to be done due to the fact that the station is uh, going to be shutting down for maintenance for a few weeks, and, uh, I mean, I just don't think the response is high enough to justify keeping it going. You know, the airtime is pretty good rate, but... You know, why pay for something if most weeks you don't even hear from a single uh, a single person, or if you hear from maybe like one person listening? You can't, you can't justify that, so I'm going to pull the plug on that. But Europe has always been a very, very difficult target to reach. You can, you, the amount of times I've tried to broadcast to Europe, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, back in 2016, I used transmitters in Germany. 2017, I was broadcasting from Florida over to Europe. Then I was using this massive transmitter in Bulgaria. That was 150,000 watts. And that one, the listenership was marginal there, too. And it's, it's the weirdest thing. People, they say that shortwave is more popular in Europe, yet correspondence is always lower than broadcasting to the quote-unquote dead uh, United States and Canada in regards to listenership, but maybe that's why. Maybe there's so little on the air, you know, there's more more of a chance of people tuning in here, whereas in Europe there's more competition, I don't know. 
Uh, but anyway, that's just what's going on there. And uh, otherwise, yes, just on one other matter of clarification. Yes, the music show is gone. It's gone from online. Like I mentioned, it's, you know, because of... Just because of changes with policy, copyright, you name it. And the costs to maintain it for just, you know, a handful of listeners at this point. It used to be a lot more, but it's just been going down and down. You know, I just to make sure I was doing the right thing, I was I just tried to get as best of a statistic as I could for that program. And I made a line graph. And, you know, it was just every 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 show was lower than the one before it. I know that it had its listeners and its regular listeners, but unfortunately it needed to be discontinued. And just because, again, the costs that would have, uh, you know, would have added up otherwise, they, they weren't worth it. They just, I, I couldn't, there was no way, there was no way otherwise. And, you know, it is what it is. It's a decision I didn't want to make, but it was one that had to be made. So, yeah, that's where that stands. So, tonight... As I was kind of setting up the microphone, you know, sometimes I'll have, uh, whatever, something that I really want to talk about, and I really want to get out and share, and, uh, you know, share my viewpoint or thoughts on, and then there's other times where I just have a few lingering thoughts, and then, of course, you know, with the all of the, the listener questions and suggestions and all of that stuff, uh, that always does a great job and always helps you know, kind of lead the show and guide it and help things go. One, uh, just little thing that I wanted to talk about is the subject of forgetfulness. I mean, there are all types of forgetfulness, right? There are times when, you know, it's, it's unfortunately in the case of medicine, you know, the medical world, when you do have, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, that will affect the, the memory in a very detrimental way. I'm not going to focus on, on that point of view, uh, because that is a whole, an entire different thing. I'm talking about simply forgetting something. You know? I, I just don't remember, right? I, I, I don't remember what this thing was, or what that thing was, or what this word, or this name, or... We've all been there, right? If you really want to think about it and chronicle it down, I mean, there are times I think we forget things on a daily basis, be that when you're trying to have a conversation, or even present something, you just you don't remember at the time. I think that happens to all of us, and sometimes in our own, in our own head. We're trying to look something up, whatever. We're trying to find some song that we were listening to the other day. You can't for the life of you remember what the name of this this song or this video or whatever it was. And you're at a loss. You forgot, right? Happens to every single one of us, I think. One mentality that always bothered me. It's bothered me for my entire life. And... I don't think there can be anything that'll be done with it, but it is something that I wanted to bring awareness to. In regards to forgetfulness, are there cases where we intentionally will say, 
I don't know. Or I don't remember. Or I don't think so. We'll say that as a lie. I think at one point or another in our lives, there have been times where almost every one of us, I would say, have tried to use forgetfulness as a cover and as an excuse. Really is a lie. But most of the times when you forget something, that's it. You forgot. And that's all that there is to it. Now, I know from the perspective of the individual who you're talking to, if you forgot something, that's frustrating. It's frustrating, and it's annoying. Especially if you're in a professional environment, or you're trying to get something done, you want that information. You want those facts. You want those names or those figures or that info. And if this person can't remember it, yeah, that's frustrating. And I understand it. And it can be an annoyance. And it can be a hindrance. And, yeah, it could make you want to pull your hair out. But when those situations come about, don't act like you've never forgotten something before in your life, either. Because the thing that bothers me the most especially when it's something that's simple or whatever. And I forget it. And you have some people that have the audacity to act like it is an excuse and that I'm just making up the fact that I forgot something. Well, why would I do that? On what grounds would I do that? And why is it that it seems like you tend to forget the fact that other people can have forgetfulness. That's what gets me. When it comes down to memory, or lack thereof, some people are so... they're so harsh, they're so cold. They have no understanding, so it seems, aside from when they themselves forget something, then <laughs> forget about it, right? <laughs> it's the end of the world, they can't remember something. But if anyone else but them forget something, it's got to be for a reason. Why didn't you just remember it? Why didn't you do a better job remembering it? Why are you, why are you pretending to forget it? Nothing's good enough for so many people. But always remember, yeah, it's frustrating, I know. I think we, we live at least in, in today's day where Everything is instantaneous, instant information, instant gratification. We like details on the spot. It's convenient, it's easy, and it's quick. But if you've ever forgotten something, so has everyone else. So if someone is going through that time and they can't remember something, yes, it is circumstantial, I understand. And if it's one of those things that it isn't the end of the world and they can't remember it at the time... If you've forgotten something, then just put yourself in their shoes for a minute and just remember that if someone forgets something, it's not always as a cover or an excuse or because they're lazy or weak. Sometimes we just have a bad memory and we'll try our damnedest to remember something. I know. I'll write down notes. I'll track down information. 
I'll keep a record of it, and I'll still forget it sometimes. Was I intentionally trying to forget something? Did I really secretly remember it, but I was pretending to forget at the hindrance of someone else? No. I forgot. That's all that there is to it. And you know, based on a situation or a circumstance, whether something is intentional or not for the most part, sometimes under stress, under pressure, you'll be more forgetful than you usually are, in the times when you really shouldn't be. That's what happens. It's happened to me before, I remember. Sometimes when I was trying to film, this especially goes to some of the early days with YouTube, but even to this day, where if I try to focus on remembering like certain very broad lines or, or whatever to try to implement in a, a review, if I focus only on these few things, I'll forget half of the other stuff that I should be doing in the video. So usually I just set it up, try to remember the broad talking points and just go from there. Because sometimes if I just try to hone in, hone in on a specific thing, I'll end up forgetting other things because it's just under that pressure. Sometimes that happens when you're delivering a presentation or a talk or, you know, it's just a difficult circumstance that gets the best of us. You know, we get that anxiety and that happens. And we didn't mean for it to. We didn't mean to mess things up in that way. Sometimes it just happens. It's not to say that mistakes should just be, uh, you know, you know, that's fine, let it all be sloppy. No, but is the right way to going about a mistake, again, now this depends on the situation, to just attack and criticize, especially when it's something that when it's your mind, you know, it's almost like you could almost be chronically forgetful. You don't mean to forget something, but it just happens. Try to remember something better, you still forget. You know, you try as hard and as best as you can, and, uh, you know, you just keep forgetting one thing or the next, or you remember something at the expense of something else. I think you know what I'm getting at and what I'm trying to say. Everyone forgets. Everyone. You do, I do. The whole world forgets so many things. Possessing understanding in regards to someone's memory, or lack thereof, can be a very important thing. Because I know when I've had people that have kind of acted like when I forget something, it's an excuse. Or I'm making it up or I didn't do a good enough job. It always strikes me as very rude, very condescending, mean-spirited. When that wasn't my intention at all, and then I feel like I'm almost having to explain that, no, that's not... But, you know, you can't really do that. It's... That attitude, eh, who's to say? Just something I wanted to, to bring up in today's program. You're listening to VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. So we now are approaching the halfway point of the show. Maybe not necessarily in the literal sense, but at least in the metaphorical sense, as we now are going over to the more interactive point of the program, uh, whereupon we just take a look at your, 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 your topic suggestions. What do you want to hear me cover? What do you want to hear me talk about? What issues would you like to hear brought up, discussed, 
on this program, and they could really be anything. It could be in regards to current events, could be moral, philosophical, could be something, you know, what are your thoughts on whatever pizza, or, you know, what do you think about this shortwave station, or, you know, what are your thoughts on this or that, or what do you want to hear me talk about? In this portion of the program, that's exactly what we do, and uh, we just see what suggestions came in, and uh, we're just going to get to them. Now, of course, this part of the program is very reliant on you, the listener, so your thoughts, feedback, views, opinions, and reception reports are always appreciated. The way to get in touch with me in this program is v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Now, even if you don't have any suggestions or any topics, it would still be great to hear from you, uh, because it always is great to just know what you guys think of the show, what your thoughts are, uh, you know, what you like or what you don't like about the show, any comments. If you tuned in on shortwave, always interested in knowing how reception is. Way to get in touch, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Thoughts are always appreciated. Also, it should be mentioned, in order to keep this broadcast going, to keep it hosted, produced, on air, as this is a weekly program, expenses add up. You know, this program never ceases. Uh, With one week over, a new show begins, and so on and so forth. If you would like to help this show stay on the air, help support this broadcast so we can keep it going, because it isn't free to host it, to keep it going, production costs... Equipment costs, airtime, you name it, everything has a cost to it. Please consider donating via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. You can just make a one-time donation, anything helps. Twenty, fifty, a hundred dollars, even just ten dollars. Any bit helps. Please do your part if you can. Also consider supporting this broadcast on Patreon, patreon.com, slash the report of the week. With that, let's see what we have in store for today's program. I would like to give a few shout-outs, as always, to a few listeners who are tuning in. I'd like to say hello to Norman in Miami, Florida, listening in online, Nikolai in Moscow, Russia, Monica in Seattle, Washington, Zach in Israel, and L in California, all of them tuning into this broadcast online, and uh, to a few of our shortwave listeners, I would like to say hello to Greg on the east coast of Florida, Doug in San Antonio, Texas, and Brian in Springfield, Virginia, listening in on 5850 kHz. First and foremost, I would like to read a viewpoint in regards to the topic in last week's program. Uh, That being human nature, why people are so mean, here is a viewpoint opinion from John H., who writes the following. Regarding the issue of spontaneous rudeness some people partake in, and the puzzlement it causes you, I would say most of it amounts to a compensational behavior for one or more personal insecurities. 
This is a base response, not a learned response, and unfortunately, it becomes an automatic response whenever circumstances or events are interpreted as a threat to ego. He continues, Your public success and emotional generosity, this is how they view you, is unfortunately interpreted as a threat to their own ego. Their self-imposed feelings of inadequacy are surfaced. The cliché misery loves company ensues, who loves a bruised ego, and rude comments follow. Now, another question might be, what human condition fosters the ultra-fragile ego? This is a topic better tackled by someone more learned than me in the human psyche. Thank you for your comment and viewpoint. That was a very interesting read, and thank you for sharing it. It's much appreciated, and it's an interesting look at, uh, you know, why some people can be so nasty. Very interesting, I found that to be anyway. And now on to the listener questions. First, we hear from Ruben, who writes in with the following. Aside from responding to your request for the microphone quality last week, I would like to hear which generation, millennial or generation Z, you would describe yourself as and how much you agree with the perception society has pertaining to the characteristics and attitudes of that group. Thank you for your question, Ruben. Well, first and foremost, I would consider myself to be millennial. Uh, you know, it's very interesting when it comes down to, uh, you know, generations and whatever. When it comes down to millennials versus Generation Z, or the, the Zoomers, as they, they say, there's no definitive cutoff date. Uh, though when I do compare myself to that generation, I can draw practically no no similarities whatsoever uh, when I, I mean, you know, it's a bit odd to begin with, but of anything, I would consider myself a millennial. And when it comes down to generations, that is a, a can of worms right there that I would prefer not to delve too much into because a lot of generations, some more so than others, like to place all of the importance on them. Their generation is the best, and all the others are terrible, and they're lazy, and this and that, and, you know, name whatever insulting term you would like. And one generation blames everyone else for their problems, and then people will blame them for the problems, and, you know, it gets passed around and nothing really gets done at the end of it. One thing that I think a lot of people have gotten wrong, especially with younger generations, is that, now you don't hear this as much, though you still do, is a lot of people say, well, you know, the younger generations are very lazy. Very, uh, very lazy. They spend all their time online, on whatever site, you know, social media, etc., and uh, they don't do anything productive with their time. And I would like to beg to differ, because a lot of the people that point fingers and say, well, you're the lazy one, end up doing so on Facebook and the very 
social media, online platforms that they criticize everyone else for using too excessively, unquote. All I'll tell you is this. I think some people should go look in the mirror when they go out and criticize other, other people, other generations, people that aren't like them, that didn't grow up the same way as them. After you're done going on a tirade and making the comments that you, you feel about them, go look at yourself in the mirror and maybe one day you'll realize how many of those same criticisms apply directly to you as well. So that's what I have to say in regards to generations. It's something I feel strongly about, and like I said, it's a can of worms that I don't really want to open too much. I think I might have opened the metaphorical little, little, little too much and a few, few slipped out, but I mean, those are my honest thoughts. I think you see it so many situations. The people that are so quick to criticize oftentimes suffer from many of the exact same things they go and yell at other people about. But they themselves are infallible, immune to many of the issues that everyone else seems to have, right? It's a common mentality, you see, by, by a lot of people. Thank you nonetheless for your question, and uh, certainly a heated subject nonetheless. Uh, but, you know, every generation is different. Every generation went through different things, different experiences, you know, a different way of life. So every, every generation is going to have its own quirks and issues and mentality. And it's fascinating to break it down and see those differences. And when things get broken down like that, some of those differences really stand out. Both the good and, unfortunately, the bad as well. And every generation has its good characteristics and its bad characteristics as well. Don't forget that. But that's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. Thank you for bringing that up. Next, we hear from Amy in Denver, Colorado, who has two two uh, topics she wanted to hear some thoughts on. The first one, uh, she was listening in on shortwave on 7730 kHz, and she wanted to know how to uh, improve shortwave reception. When it comes down to listening to shortwave radio, there are a number of things that you can do pretty easy with, uh, you know, improving reception. Because I know that you can install various things, and, you know, not all of us are very technically oriented or necessarily have the time, space, or resources to do such a thing. Here are a few ideas. Number one, the easiest thing, not the most practical in some situations, is to go outside. Going outside will almost always improve reception, because the biggest things that detract from, you know, getting a good signal on shortwave are electronic devices and interference they emit. So if you go outside, you go away from those things, well, they're the problem solved. Now, let's say you can't go outside. Another thing you can do to try to get reception a little better is to maybe put the radio by a window. Uh, because sometimes this is a way to kind of get the signal a little more direct. 
you can try and see if there's a spot in your, you know, wherever. In your apartment, in your house, your room, where the static interference kind of clears up a little bit. You can try and put the radio there. Another thing, if it is something that you can control, you can sometimes find out what devices are causing interference. A lot of things that can cause some terrible interference nowadays are chargers, uh, like a cell phone charger, etc. If you unplug that, like let's say you're charging your phone, if you unplug the charger or unplug your phone from the charger, at least in my case, the amount of interference on shortwave is reduced dramatically. At this point in time, it may never be completely quiet, but sometimes being able to find certain small appliances that you can either power down and, uh, you know, temporarily will greatly improve reception. Now, some people that are very hardcore listeners will actually go and literally shut off the main breaker of their house and literally just shut everything off just to get that optimal listening. I mean, I could understand why. One last thing uh, that's just a little bit of a tip that can help you, especially if you're using a portable radio, is to invest in a wire antenna. Now, maybe if you ordered, like, a Texan radio, might even come with one. If not, just look up, like, a, a, you know, just a long wire antenna. Or a, uh, sometimes I think they call them, like, a portable, just like a wire antenna. And what it looks like is it's, it's really cheap, but it works. It's just this little black wire. It's thin, and, you know, there's, like, 20, 30 feet of it. You kind of plug it into a portion of your you know, little port on the side of the radio, and all of a sudden now this wire becomes the antenna, and your radio's antenna is now like, you know, 30 feet long, and if you string this wire near a window or outside the window and kind of just feed it outside, because this is functioning as the antenna, obviously that's going to boost reception and those signals that you might have trouble picking up will, uh, you know, they might get a little better. Uh, One drawback, of course, is if you have to use it inside, yes, while using now a bigger antenna, we'll be able to improve the quality of signals if you're in an interference-prone area. It's going to pick up the interference better, too. So it has its benefits, drawbacks, but it's a very cheap, inexpensive solution to uh, combating that interference and hopefully making reception better. Now, your second uh, question was in regards to the minimalism movement. What my thoughts are on it and my thoughts on collecting fewer possessions. I don't think that there's anything wrong with minimalism. You know, it all depends. I think this is a a person-by-person, case-by-case basis, and it depends on the individual. Are there a lot of people that might have possessions that, you know, are clutter, that aren't really needed? Absolutely. Are there people, though, that have possessions that, you know, the average person would see as meaningless, but to them, they hold great, you know, sentimental value, you name it? Absolutely. So it all depends. 
Like, I myself, I like saving papers. Uh, you know, things that I have written down, and uh, you name it. I just like saving papers, writings, notebooks, uh, that type of stuff. A few reading materials, etc. And even if they aren't looked at with, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, very frequently, best way to put it, if it is still considered valuable, then it might be worth saving. I think it all comes down to looking at your possessions, what, what it is that you have, and determine, okay, is this something that, if I throw it away, you know, is it going to bother me, or am I okay without it? And if you have a lot of things that you want to keep, because as I said, there's nothing wrong with that, it's a matter of personal preference, there still is a way to have a number of possessions, a good amount of things, but still organize them. Because if you have a lot of stuff, but it's all filed away neatly, and it's organized, you know, then it's not much of a detriment. So I think it comes down to the person, and you know, if you want to live that minimalistic life, not have a lot of things, that's fine. As a matter of fact, I, as I said, I think it all comes down to what you want. And I think the idea of trying to tell everyone that they need to have a lot of stuff is not the right way to go about things. If you don't want to have a lot of possessions, you want to live a minimalistic lifestyle, not a thing wrong with that. And if you would rather load up and have a lot of things, that's fine too. So it all comes down to you know, what your preference is. Only thing, of course, is to try to maintain that healthy balance so that it doesn't get to, like, uh, you know, being a, a, a hoarder, you know, and being literally buried under mountains of, of stuff. So that's, uh, that's my thought on that. Thank you for writing in. Next, we hear from Sean. I think this topic is going to be quick just because some people shouldn't really be, but some people will see it as controversial. He just wants to know, what are your thoughts on free speech, and what are its limits? To what extent do you think people can express themselves? In my opinion, it comes down to common sense. And that's really the answer. For instance, there is an analogy that was mentioned to me years ago, and even if it's a little dated, you know, it's I think it still works just fine. You shouldn't be able to go into a movie theater or a crowded venue, and start screaming that there's a fire, that there's a fire, and that the building's on fire, and cause a panic when there really is no fire at all, only to say, well, I was just expressing my my uh, First Amendment rights, and uh, free speech, you know, I can say that. No, you can't. If it is endangering the public, as is considered in the legal standpoint, should not be be allowed. Same thing if you go and say that you're going to kill someone. Oh, you know, free speech. Making threats. False statements endangering others. Breaking the law. If it is at the detriment of other individuals, then there needs to be restrictions. Like I said, common sense things. It's okay to, to share your opinion or your thoughts or your views, but there's a very clear difference between that and saying that you're going to kill someone. Or, you know, saying that some calamity is happening when it really isn't. And it's endangering 
the lives and well-being of other individuals. Right? I think that's common sense, and that's my standpoint. Next, we hear from Atsuo in Osaka, Japan, who has a comment on the previous program. He says, My topic is this. During the previous broadcast, you paused to hear a passing helicopter and correctly identified it by name just by looking at it. I'm curious if you are an aficionado of military vehicles. Thank you for your question. I would not consider myself an aficionado, though there was a time when I was very interested in aircraft, and even commercial airplanes. There was a time I could look at them and just be able to correctly identify the model and the type of plane. And those days are gone, but military aircraft are far more recognizable. So when I see one, some of that memory still lingers, and I can still kind of, you know, be able to identify it. But obviously that comes down to the more recognizable aircraft, uh, you know, such as the C-130, the C-17, the CH-47, the AH-64, the V-22, Osprey, that's always a good one, F-16, F-14, the Tomcat, you know, the A-10, the F-22. A lot of the most iconic, most recognizable military aircraft I might be able to identify But when it comes down to the more particular models and vehicles, you know, forget about it. But types of aircraft, it's probably as good as it'll get. But then you go down to more specific models or, you know, various uh, older aircraft out of production, you name it. uh, Then it'll be a lot more complicated and a lot more difficult. Uh, But of course, aircraft does interest me. And, uh, you know, just... Watching, like, air shows, for instance, sometimes it's the type of aircraft, the performance, it's just incredible, and it's it's something to see. So, having the, the pleasure to sometimes be able to see some of these aircraft in person, it's always fascinating, and it always, you know, sometimes I'll see this aircraft, and I think to myself, I wonder what type of plane this is. And sometimes I'll even use these flight tracker sites, there's one good one, called uh, FlightRadar24.com. And you can't really pick up uh, military aircraft because they keep the transponders, you know, off or private for security concerns. But you can see a lot of civilian aircraft in real time flying around like you're looking at the radar. You can click on it, you can see the model, the make, the altitude, speed, destination, you name it. And it's just fascinating to kind of look across the world and see all of these aircraft flying about, going about their business. I think that's a fascinating site and resource. So thank you for bringing that up, that topic up. And it's always nice to hear from our Japanese listeners. And now continuing the program, uh, we are starting to get close to the the top of the hour, but we do have a few more uh, topics that I do want to bring up and a few more questions that are coming in. And I want to, you know, get to them, take a look at them. So, just moving in order, let's see what the next question or topic suggestion is. Uh, This one comes from Claire, 
who writes the following. On to my topic, I would like to ask what your thoughts are on collections. I have a tendency to get into various things, and I have a tendency to become so enamored with a particular type of thing, such as fountain pens, for instance, that I develop an urge to build a collection. Do you have any thoughts, philosophically, on the urge some people feel to collect things? Do you think this has anything to do with consumerism or materialism in our society? And what sorts of implications do you think can be drawn from this behavior? Well, thank you very much for your topic suggestion. And it's an interesting one, and I think it has been brought up in the past. At some point, anyway, I think I was asked about collections before. In regards to collections, at least in, in you know, my opinion, I am not any sort of psychologist or anything. There's nothing wrong with, you know, collecting things that you like. There is, there is nothing wrong with that. Earlier in the show, we talked a little bit about minimalism, and in my opinion, that is entirely optional. It shouldn't be a mandatory way of life. And at the same time, you know, stocking up on a lot of things shouldn't be mandatory either. When it comes down to collections, as long as it doesn't get out of hand, uh, you know, there, isn't, there really isn't anything wrong with it. I don't collect a lot of stuff right now. I mean, you know, you could consider theoretically, because I have a lot of ties, do I collect ties? Not really, I just wear them a lot, so I have a lot to choose from. One thing that I always used to collect, I don't anymore, was QSL cards. And that's one of those things that is popular in the world of shortwave, that if you listen to a international broadcaster, sometimes if you write to them and you request a QSL card, they'll send you out this little, like, commemorative fancy postcard and some promotional materials, kind of just saying, you know, thank you for listening to uh, our station. It's a way to try to incentivize listenership. And I used to collect QSL cards because, uh, you know, some were rarer than others. For instance, like if there was a very low power station in East Africa, obviously hearing it in the United States is going to be very, very difficult. So being able to successfully hear the station, write to them, and then kind of get this little, you know, piece of memorabilia, you know, whatever you want to call it, is a collector's item in some circles. Most people will see it as a worthless piece of uh, paper, but, you know, that, that was one thing that I collected, and I had binders full of them. And I don't do that anymore just because, as a broadcaster, I just, I you know, I prefer to write to stations and let them know that I, I listen for the content, not for a physical promotional item. Uh, just because, you know, from my own experience doing this show, I'll have people that, it's clear, have never listened to a second, and they're just trying to get some, you know, something free out of it all. So, I just try to listen for content, but that's what I used to, you know, I used to collect that. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think, inherently, anyway, uh, any sort of consumerism or materialism plays a role 
in collecting things. I think people have always had collections of things, be that very primitive, advanced, large, small, detailed, or otherwise. Uh, Though I do think that, you know, trying to incentivize, you know, buy this, buy that, so on and so forth, uh, definitely might feel, might, so to say, force people to feel the need that they need to have a collection of this. I think when it comes down to collections of things, it all comes down to what it is and why is it being collected. Are you collecting something because you need it, like it's a necessity? Is it because you want to, for fun? Or is it because you feel pressured, like, you know, someone is forcing you to do this? That all depends. And that last category, then consumerism and materialism may very well play a role in things, because they might feel like you have to build up this collection of something that you really don't need, but they'll make you feel like you need it, but you really don't. So it all comes down to, you know, exactly what the thing is that's being collected, and then the circumstances uh, that apply to it. So, thank you for your topic, and uh, collections. Yeah, it's something that is asked from time to time, and uh, always happy to discuss. Next, we hear from Becky and Koki Hansen, long-time listeners. Uh, they just have a pretty quick question. They say, if you had a regular job, not self-employed, what would you like to do? Thank you for your question. And it's an interesting one, you know, and it's a question I think <laughs> some of us who are completely employed end up asking ourselves even still. What do you, you know, what do you want to do for work, right? And there is a time when I thought about, and I, I you know, I pursued, uh, you know, formal education in this, in regards to broadcasting. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, like, it makes no sense. What I'm saying, it's just how I felt. Was that, while radio broadcasting, and, I mean, I guess to an extent television, is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I, I'm always intrigued by communication and broadcast. Because I'm so introverted, you know, like doing something at a TV station, doing all this stuff is such an extroverted activity. And it just didn't really blend well with me. And for the longest time, I thought, maybe I'll get a job at a radio station or something. But after kind of seeing what it's like, I thought, no, that's, that's not really me. And it's the weirdest thing, because, I mean, here I am, sitting here doing a radio show. Maybe you know what I mean. Like, being a, I don't know, just one of those, like, bombastic talk show hosts in the morning, you know? I don't think I could ever be one of those people. I don't even have the energy to be one of those people. But aside from that, for uh, much of my life, I didn't really have any direct aspirations in the career path. Uh, I, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, and I thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, go with the flow and get some boring desk job that I hate and I'm miserable with, but, you know, it'll pay the bills and keep me alive just so I can go to the, go to work again repeat the cycle. 
And uh, that's how I felt. And, uh, of course, the way everything worked out was wonderful. But, I mean, sometimes it's all about trial and error. One thing that, what I've heard anyway, is sometimes a good resource if you're not really sure what to do. Of course, there are a lot of, uh, you know, types of tests you can take that'll try to determine your personality and your career path. Uh, One thing, you know, consider uh, a temp agency and uh, just getting these real short-term jobs. It's a way to kind of immerse yourself and at the same time, Maybe you'll see, hey, you know, maybe this job, I didn't think I would like it, but actually it's it's not bad. Or you might try something out that you thought would be awesome, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, this, this line of work is not for me. Thank you for your question. And next we hear from Phil in South Shore, Massachusetts, kind of keeping it in the field of careers, who writes, I'm 29 years old, and I've been in a leadership position in the food industry for almost four years now. I've always done my best to be fair, honest, and keep a positive attitude slash vibe on my team consistently. What, in your opinion, constitutes good leadership skills? How do you remain positive and create comrade in a modern work environment? Do you think it's harder to motivate millennial generation as opposed to the previous ones. Well, that's tying into a few subjects. I'm not really going to talk about generations. I kind of got all that out of my system earlier. But when it comes down to leadership, especially in the workplace, but really anything, I think that there needs to be, you know, it all is about balance. And I mean, of course, you'll have different people in those leadership management positions for different reasons. There might be some people that kind of actually work their way up the ladder. You'll have other people that it's all about who you know, or, you know, who you were, what family you were born into, connections, money, etc. And they might not really be good managers or leaders, but, you know, when daddy knows whoever, you know, they'll make certain adjustments to accommodate certain people. In a fair world, though, like I said, I think that there needs to be balance in a management leadership position, whereupon I feel that you need to be understanding, and you need to, you know, you need to have empathy and understanding, and you should largely conduct your business with respect, kindness, dignity, But at the same time, should there be issues, there will be times where we need to kind of lay down the law. And you might need to be tough. I don't think that you should be hard or cruel or mean or like a slave driver. But sometimes, if the situation demands it, you can't be too passive. So there needs to be that balance where I think you should be understanding, you know, all of those qualities... But at the same time, if there is an issue that requires a more stern approach, then you can't be afraid to, like I said, stomp your foot down and put an end to this or make that change or, you know, be assertive when necessary. So I think one of the most important things in regards to those leadership management roles is, again, to have that balance, to be fair, 
to be kind, but not to the point where someone can take advantage of those qualities. And if someone tries to, you need to be assertive enough, like I said, put an end to it, and make it clear that you're not going to mess around. And while you might be easygoing, you know, you have your limits, and there are rules to follow, and you will enforce them. So that's my thought. Otherwise, in regards to just motivation, I think that the motivation itself has not really changed. I think it is entirely possible to motivate millennials and motivate Gen Xers, motivate the boomers, the Zoomers, (laughs) and everyone to follow. But at the same time, because different generations are so different in so many ways, it may just be down to a matter of approach. So the things that you might be able to do or the strategies you may be able to seek out that may motivate, uh, let's say, Gen Xers and a few Millennials, you might have to make a few tweaks here and there in order to inspire and motivate uh, some of the younger uh, Generation Z employees. Now, most Generation Z aren't in the workforce yet. That's a few years down the line once we kind of get into the 2020s, but I think you know what I mean in regards to this analogy, where I think that it all just comes down to how you motivate and inspire, but not whether that motivation even exists in the first place. I could guarantee you it does. There just might be different ways to be able to pull that motivation out and get those desired effective results. With that... You're listening to VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. And I'm going to be wrapping up today's broadcast. Again, if you have any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, reception reports, questions, or topic suggestions for future shows, send me an email at vorwinfo at gmail.com. Also consider donating to support this program, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com via PayPal. Always keep in mind, if you want to get a shortwave radio, it's still a viable medium in 2019. All you need to do, send me an email and uh, just inquire. I will do my best to help you out. If you liked the music show, and uh, that's, I mean, unfortunately, look, this is, this is just the way that it is now and you want to hear more of it, I would recommend getting a radio. You can invest in a really cheap one, but if you are in North America, South America, or Europe, there are frequencies that will reach your part of the world, and you'll still be able to hear that show as well. So, if you're interested, consider getting a radio. It's my spiel. And with that, I hope you can tune in again next week. On these same online platforms and same shortwave frequencies and times, you'll be hearing my voice again next Thursday, the 11th of April, 2019. And with that, thank you for tuning in. And on one penultimate note, because there's one other thing I need to record, remember, if you are a United States citizen, April, pay your taxes. Tax time, that day is going to be coming up on you before you even know it. 
If you haven't paid them already, make sure you do what needs to be done. I know it's not fun, it's not enjoyable, but it is, as I say anyway, our civic duty to do so. And on one final note, I always would like to mention this broadcast is brought to you by Database Pros. For HR databases, HOA databases, and more great database software, check them out db-pros.com. Thank you for listening. Do take care. Have a wonderful rest of your week. This is VORW.